almost nothing decided in the NBA. We got a full recap plus the best story in the NBA already on the next to last night of the season. And there are meaningful games on the final day of the regular season, including a win or go home matchup in Minnesota. And we've got some friendly advice for Philadelphia 76ers fans. This is the Locked On NBA podcast. You are locked on the NBA, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Okay, everybody, welcome to the Wednesday edition of Locked On NBA. I am John Corrales, co-host of the Locked On Celtics podcast, and you can find myself on RedsArmy.com and Boston.com. And I'm Jake Madison, host of Locked On Pelicans, at Nola Jake on Twitter, editor over at LockedOnPelicans.com. So before we get to the Philly advice, before we get to the previews, let's get to the night in the association in which almost nothing was decided. We like to call it too long, didn't watch. All right, let's rip through some of these meaningless games. Charlotte, Indiana, Hornets win 119-93. Phoenix, Dallas, the Suns win 124-97 in the Ultimate Tankathon. And a game that was supposed to mean nothing, Houston and the Lakers. Houston wins 105-99. But we have two important things. First, Luke Baamute looks like he dislocated his shoulder. So that could be impactful. Houston's been relatively unscathed so this could be this could be something he's a bit of kind of like a swiss army knife secret weapon off the bench do it all kind of guy you know hopefully it's not too bad you never want to see injuries right before the playoffs and you've got to wonder if they're just going to kind of take it a little bit easy with him there and everyone else going forward i mean if i were them i would just hold him out as long as possible those dislocated shoulders have a tendency to pop out real easily even if it wasn't so bad it can happen again the big story my favorite story should be everybody's favorite story. Andre Ingram, 32-year-old G League call-up, has spent forever in the G League, got his first NBA action. And what does he do in this game? 19 points on 6 of 8 shooting, 4 of 5 from 3, 3 of 3 from the line, and in addition, 3 rebounds, an assist, a steal, 3 blocks? Are you kidding me? And just one turnover. Andre Ingram, this is coming from a monster Celtics guy. Andre Ingram of the Los Angeles Lakers is currently my favorite player. This is probably the coolest story I think we've had maybe in a while. And it's nice to see this in a game where really the Lakers just didn't have anything to play for. The The Rockets could have rested guys. And you get this amazing story coming out of a meaningless game. It's been in the G League for 10 years years he's a math tutor in the offseason to help make ends meet and i just read that he took a season off to kind of take care of their kids so that his wife could finish college how awesome is this dude man this guy is something this is like a movie this really is a movie somebody i and i'm not even kidding is now that it happened in la somebody's definitely turning this into a movie it's got every kind of thing they lost the game so it doesn't have like the super schmaltzy ending but he has this like this big huge debut who knows what happens next for him like we said he's 32 years old even if he gets a shot in the nba he doesn't have a whole lot of time left but man i just gotta love a guy who has persevered this long and and put this much time and effort and work into the game that he loved I mean, I, I identify with this guy busting his ass, and it just goes to show that if you're good and you are willing to put in the work, eventually 
you will get your chance. And you, when they say you make your own luck, this is it. Andre Ingram is the personification of that. He was ready. He finally got the call. And look at him. He put up an awesome game. It's just an awesome story. Yeah, good shot too. This is I'm now I'm really gonna watch him play tomorrow night. No reason not to. This is a, just I don't know what else you say. It's an awesome it's story. Fun. It's just it's as fun. simple as that. It's awesome. It's great. It's great. Everybody should just enjoy the hell out of it. You're gonna see it everywhere on every newscast. It was awesome. All right, moving on to some meaningful games here. Golden State, Utah. The Jazz went and trounced the the Warriors, who have nothing to play for. But the Jazz win 119-79 and now they are set up for a a matchup against the Blazers for the third seed yeah all 13 jazz players scored in this one when you're up by 45 at one point I guess you can kind of have things like that happen Mitchell led the team with 22 points yes or no is he your rookie of the year or is it Ben Simmons Oh boy. After the night I had on Twitter about this, I still say it's Simmons. I think it's Simmons. Um, I I think Simmons just does so much and he's, he's led that Sixers team to heights that we didn't expect. Now, obviously Mitchell along with Rudy Gobert has, has done an amazing job. I just think that Simmons does a little bit more and, and he's just had from start to finish uh, a wire-to-wire great season. So I, I will give him the rookie of the year. I can see totally, totally giving Mitchell votes. And I if they split it, if they did a co-rookie of the year, I would not be upset. I know other people would. But my, my leader right now is is Ben Simmons. This is definitely my new favorite beef in the NBA. For those who didn't see, Mitchell walked into the arena wearing a hoodie with the definition of rookie on it since he doesn't think Ben Simmons is, but we'll let the voters decide this one. Awesome. And you know what? I'm on his side. (laughs) We'll save this for another time. This is for another day. It's another thing for another day, but I, I do think there is some validity to that. But whatever, we'll talk more about the Jazz and the Blazers coming up in a few minutes. Uh, the other game here, uh, Philly, speaking of the Sixers, in Atlanta, uh, they win 121-113. So now the Sixers have an opportunity to hold on to the third seed. The big thing is now they've got a one-game lead on Cleveland, and they play the Bucks. We'll talk more about that from the Bucks' perspective later on. But for Philly, win, beat the Bucks. you are the third seed in the Eastern Conference if you lose that game the Cavs play the Knicks back to back that should be a couple of easy Cavs win and even if they end up tied the Cavs are, are the division winner so they they get the tiebreaker but still uh, that sets up a, a hell of a final night for uh, the Sixers yeah, it, they're playing pretty well, even without Embiid, who's going to be back for the playoffs. Redick, I think, what, had 28 points for him. They can get hot shooting, and they were in this game where they went uh, 17 of 37 from three. They're going to be tough to beat. Yeah, and so that's the Philly thing. Now Boston and Washington. That was a little bit of a problem for me because I'm the Boston guy. They lost 113-101, and here's the thing from the Boston perspective. They had an opportunity to avoid the Wizards in the first round of the playoffs. By beating the Wizards, they would have cemented Washington into the eighth seed. Boston cemented into the two seed, would have avoided them. But this loss means that Washington could still end up anywhere from sixth to eighth. So we'll 
Again, we'll get into this a little bit later when we preview the the matchups for Wednesday night. But this was a real disappointing loss for the Celtics. A bunch of guys who had performed well have not. Jason Tatum didn't do much. Al Horford didn't do much. Marcus Morris, Terry Rozier. All of those guys need to do things for the Celtics who are obviously, everybody knows, big story in the NBA, injury ravaged. But I think they can still win a first-round series but only if those guys step up. And in that big stretch that the Celtics had out West where they went perfect out West and had themselves an opportunity to even get to the top seed, it was because Morris, Rozier, Tatum all did uh, amazing things offensively. Celtics offense tonight, even though they scored 101 points, don't be fooled by that. There was a lot of garbage time play by Kadeem Allen and, uh, and other, other guys at the end of the game. So, Celtics miss an opportunity there to uh, really control who their playoff opponent is going to be. Okay, that's the night in the NBA. Hope you enjoyed the Too Long Didn't Watch segment. Hope you enjoyed it enough to subscribe to the Lockdown NBA podcast. Of course, now we are a daily podcast. Subscribe to us. You get, at the beginning of the week, the big stories from the local experts with Josh Lloyd. And then throughout the week, you have... All of us from the throughout the uh, Locked On NBA Network, it's the, the hosts of the Locked On NBA show are the hosts from local shows. So we all come together to give you a half hour, 30, tonight will be about 35 minutes, maybe a little bit longer. Because it's such it's a big, big night. night. We gotta, there's a, a lot we got to go into. It's a big night. Andre Ingram made this a bigger night. Then there's a lot going on. So tonight's show is going to be a little bit longer. Sorry. But that's what we're going to give you. Every night and heading into the playoffs, you need, you need Locked On NBA in your life. So subscribe to the Locked On NBA podcast wherever you get your podcasts. So as we said, normally we do the previews in the third segment of the show, but this is such a huge final day of the season. So many things uh, are going to be impacted by this night of games. We have to do the previews. First, here in, in in the second segment after we've it's, it's now- got to be the meat of the podcast it's, today. It really, right? it really does because when you look at the standings, there's really only a couple of things that are determined in the East. Toronto is first, Boston is second, and Indy is fifth. Those are the things that we know in the East and in the West. The only thing we know is that Houston's one and Golden State is two. Everything else is up in the air, and obviously, Jake, the biggest thing. Denver and the Timberwolves playing for their playoff lives on the final game of the season. Uh, This, to me, it boils down to a very simple statistic. Denver is 15 and 25 on the road. Minnesota is 29 and 11 at home. I think despite Denver making me look stupid, and I don't need any more help. They've come right back at this, haven't they? We we loved them, and then we hated them, and now it's like I don't know. I, I yeah, that, I don't need any more help to to look stupid. But Denver has made me look especially bad because I when I believe in them, they suck. When I don't believe them, they're awesome. And so now I don't believe in them in this game. I think them going on the road against Minnesota is just it's too much. I think they can get blitzed early. And and this might be a little anticlimactic. 
You know, it, it could be. And that 15 and 25 on the road is bad, but Denver is on a six game winning streak. You've seen that starting lineup of Murray, Barton, Chandler, Millsap, and Jokic win them five in a row and start to look really good. But their flaws are very evident. After being a top uh, defensive rebounding team for the year, since February, they've fallen to the bottom 10 and really struggle on the defensive glass. And when you go up against the fourth best offensive rebounding team against Minnesota and Towns up there, this is going to be really interesting because there's clearly a way you can beat this team, get second chance points, score on them. And I don't understand what Malone really does with his rotations in the second quarter. And I think that's maybe where you see Minnesota really pull away. Yeah, I I don't think it's going to even take the second quarter. This could be one of those games where Jokic gets into a couple of gets a couple of early fouls as he is prone to do and when we get frustrated Jokic, then we get a bad Nuggets team because his body language I think dictates how that entire Nuggets team plays in Minnesota with the crowd going wild and uh, that team being hyped and you know Getting getting uh, uh, Jimmy Butler back, and he's going to still be on that minutes restriction. But you're, you're going to throw him out there with Towns. I, I feel like this is going to be a, a situation where they can come out hot. Jokic is going to get a couple of fouls, and everything's going to just spiral out of control. And we might be looking at a ten to fifteen point deficit in the first quarter already so the second quarter might not even matter true you never know and like you said getting that butler effect back is going to be really big for him but the the nuggets did just get gary harris back he's averaging almost 18 points for him this year he looked a little bit out of sorts in this last game coming back from that knee injury but did kind of act as a bit of a spark off the bench with 12 points this denver team's weirdly deep but the biggest thing like you said is away from home they don't play too well yeah, then and that's the thing. I, I feel like the you can just chalk it up to the altitude, I guess. But they they're just they are just a different team with that crowd, with that altitude, without that serious home court advantage. They are they're a different team on the road, and they have had some big wins on the road in this stretch. I will say that they have they've been very impressive uh, throughout this whole the, the winning streak to go to the Clippers and win to go to Oklahoma City and win to to beat Minnesota in this streak as well is is very impressive but again I, I just I just don't trust them I, I can't I can't put any faith in the nuggets I, I, I don't think they they pull this one out I, it's I, I'm so excited to watch this. I'll be at the Pelicans game, but they have a bar in the arena, which I'm going to try and post up at to be able to watch this one. Because also, this was a cool stat I saw. It's per stats LLC. This is the sixth such game in NBA history where it's basically win or go home. And the first time in 21 years, oddly enough, Denver is now who been in half of these three times and they've won the two before again it's back in like the mid 90s so it doesn't really factor in but just an interesting thing i saw about that so you said you're going to be at the pelicans game this is another very important game here because that this will determine uh playoff seating and who these other teams face 
Yeah, and it, this is huge. I'm obviously a little bit biased here and going to cover this from one side more than the other. But yeah, this impacts seedings as well. Basically, if the Pelicans win, they avoid that seven or eight spot in the Western Conference, which is more or less going to be a kiss of death. You're probably not winning a game against the Warriors, even as banged up as they are, or the Houston Rockets. But you win, you go and get that fifth or sixth seed Pelicans don't have a shot at four now after Utah just absolutely destroyed the Golden State Warriors. And you want to try and avoid that that seven or eight spot, get into five or six, maybe avoid Utah. But if you can drop Portland in the first round, I think the Pelicans are going to feel good. But the Spurs aren't going to go quietly. And even though this isn't your kind of older Spurs team that we've been used to seeing, they're still really good. And LaMarcus Aldridge, who has very good games against Anthony Davis, could break out in this one, break out, play well in this one, and send the Pelicans to the lower seed. Yeah, I think that uh, facing Portland is going to be what both teams want to do. San Antonio swept the season series against the, the trailblazers. And I, I was listening. I wish I can give credit to the podcast I was listening to. I think it was maybe the ringer with Kevin O'Connor. They were talking about how Portland feels confident against every team out there in the West, except San Antonio. And they, they have had their problems with the Spurs. So, I've talked to some San Antonio people. They don't feel great. And obviously the Kawhi Leonard situation has been kind of a, a, a dark pall on the season. But first of all, no one wants to face the Spurs at all because they're still San Antonio. And the, the prospect of facing Pop and, like you said, Aldridge and, and those guys, you, you don't want to play seven games against them. But also uh, Portland – is is I, I think they especially don't want to face the the Spurs because that that just the matchups don't work out well in their favor and I, I think that Portland might be kind of a, a little overrated so this might be and the problem is that this game is before the Utah Portland game so they'll just both of these teams will have to kind they're of, just going to go out to play to win they, figure you it out try yeah. and. Yeah, uh, you know, maybe lose on purpose to avoid seeding or anything like that. You just kind of go all out and just hope you don't end up drawing the Jazz in the playoffs. But yeah, this Spurs team isn't one most people want to play, and this is going to be a tough test for the Pelicans. They're th- the Spurs are third in defense this year, and they just do all of those things that a Popovich team should do well and that you expect them to do well. They rebound well. They don't turn the ball over a lot while forcing you into turnovers. You've got to bring your A game against this team every single night, even if you have the more talented roster because if you make one or two mistakes they make you pay for it because they're not going to kind of make those same mistakes yeah wouldn't it be funny if all of a sudden in this game Kawhi Leonard just comes running out of the tunnel no 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 it wouldn't be (laughs) at all (laughs) just shoot that idea down right now I didn't mean to freak you out there all right and then Utah at Portland this is a super important game this is for the third seed so Portland has been in that third seed they they might not be in that third seed for very long so this is a this is a big game again th- no one knows how this is going to go if if san antonio wins it might be in portland's best interest to lose or or to avoid do something to avoid the the spurs there because they don't want to they don't want to have to face the spurs like i said so it's going to be interesting to see how the winner of that 8 o'clock game impacts the Jazz and Blazers game. They're going to go out and play to win, but it's just fun to think about maybe not. 
That happens, though. We saw this. I'm going to go back to 2010, where the then New Orleans Hornets finished seventh in the West instead of eighth because Memphis lost on the final day of the regular season to avoid matching up with the Lakers, who were two there. They intentionally lost to get the lower seed to try and avoid that matchup that you don't want to get because all of these teams, even though you're not expecting them to win the title, want to win and think they can win. And Portland, this goes back to what I was saying about the Spurs just being a defensively sound team. They're Portland, for the guards that they have there in Lillard and McCollum are not a great shooting team. They're 22nd in E field goal percentage, which is kind of surprising. And they don't want to have an off night against a, a team like the Spurs, where if you're not shooting well, you're not going to win that one. So potentially, depending on what happens, yeah, it's almost in their best interest to lose and try and avoid that that worst matchup for them. Yeah, so uh, that that's going to be a real interesting uh, scenario with, with those teams playing for the third seed. Uh, like I said, I, I, I first let me just say I'm, I'm super impressed with the Jazz. We keep talking about this whole Coach of the Year conversation, and obviously I'm I'm pro Brad Stevens. We've talked about Dwayne Casey, uh, Snyder with the Jazz, it, getting them up to the third seed and potentially clinching the third seed in this Wednesday night game. I don't know how he doesn't get votes too. Like I don't know. There's like ten guys in the league right now. Yeah, it's like a third deserving. Really deserves votes for this. And you look at this Jazz team that was I forget how many games below 500, and now they're going to potentially be the three seed in the pretty brutal Western Conference. It's incredibly impressive what they've been able to do. But this probably comes down to Gobert and why no one wants to face this team. They're 36 and 18 with Gobert, and they have a defensive rating of 97.8 with him on the court. That's terrifying as a pelicans guy he takes anthony davis out of games i don't want to match up with that team ever i don't think anyone wants to see it because he's also good in isolation and one-on-one ball and can kind of switch on to smaller quicker guys and still stop them yeah the, the one thing i will say about having a team centered no pun intended around a guy like gobert is there is the possibility of game planning him out now I don't know if the Pelicans are the team to do it uh the Spurs might be in a better position to do that you need the shooting and you need the ability to go small and you need the ability to draw him out uh, of the paint but there are ways in today especially in today's NBA uh, I'm not I want to be careful how to say this I'm not saying that you can make it uh, I'm not saying that you can just completely negate him but the type of player that he is is easier to game plan for than some of these other higher seeds you know what I mean like yeah that's fair he, he's not he, he's he's his defense is obviously amazing but if you can put a lineup out there that can pull him away and you can put him in situations where he's making a bunch of decisions. Uh, you can get him into foul trouble or you can get him far enough away from the basket where he's a non factor or less of a factor. And that's all you need is for him to be less of a factor. So just something for jazz fans that I know that he's been the savior in the numbers show great, great things with him on the floor. I'm just saying that in a playoff series, seven games, it's possible that he could also be something that could 
uh, I want to say hurt the Jazz. That you you can work a game plan that that could that can be effective against the Jazz. Yeah, I still trust that team more so because they've looked very good so far. Their their offense is still there enough that even if he's not being as effective as possible, they can kind of keep up with players. And they've almost got like a secret weapon in Joe Ingles who kind of makes everything click there. You've still got Rubio on the perimeter who's a plus defender. So they're going to be a really tough, annoying out. Let me ask you this really quickly. Do you have Gobert as Defensive Player of the Year? You know... Normally, I would say he hasn't played enough games, but just his impact has been so great that I have I have to give it to him because even though he hasn't played all of the games that uh, like maybe Embiid has, and Embiid is definitely a, a candidate as well, but the Jazz have made such a run with him in that lineup that even though he's missed what 20 some odd games the the games that he's played are so impactful that he's taken a team that was out of the playoffs and taken them to potentially the third seed just and the numbers are so stark with him on the floor i i don't see how you can give it to somebody else the 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 impact is just so 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 great that i i think i would give it to him yeah, he's missed 26 is what I think the final number is going to be. And like, I don't want to give it to that guy. And I'm still bitter that Anthony Davis missed an all-NBA team for missing 21 games or 20 in, in a season. So there's a bit of a precedent there not to give it to him. But like you said, his impact has been so great there. I, I think you have to. Yeah, it's it just it, – that's if, – if the Jazz were like the fifth or sixth seed – you could feel better about saying he hasn't played enough games because while his impact would have been, Hey, you took a non-playoff team and made them into a playoff team, but to take a non-playoff team and to make them the third seed, maybe I'm just, maybe I, I will admit, maybe I am being blinded by the seeding because the difference between the third seed and the, and, and not even being in the playoffs is two games. Yeah. It's so not much. It's it. it I should I'm going to check myself on that and say that it's it's still, you know, I, I might be kind of a little mesmerized by that three seed. However, I, I just think that the numbers have been so amazingly in his favor for this award that uh, I, I would probably vote for him. Uh, but I, I can totally see I can totally see the the argument for not. Yeah, look, they're they're like a top three defense with him on the court, or number one with him on the court. They're about like 12 or 13 with him off the court. So there is a jump there. He also, depending on if you like defensive metrics or not, if you like those, he's at the top of all of them. It backs it up with the eye test. Again, I'm going to begrudgingly give it to him. <laughs> all right, that's the West. Let me go through the East real quick because this is a big night for the East. You have three teams, Milwaukee, Miami, and Washington all now fighting for the 6th, 7th, and 8th seed. Washington, like we said, by beating Boston, now is, has life as far as they could They could get up to the 6th seed. They could stay down in 8th. If they had lost to Boston, they would stay down in 8th. Now, so Toronto at Miami, Washington at Orlando, Milwaukee at Philadelphia. We talked a little bit in the recaps about Philly needing this game to hang on to the third seed, but Milwaukee playing for something. If Milwaukee wins, 
They are the sixth seed. That's it. End of story. If Washington loses their game, they are the eighth seed. So Milwaukee wins, Washington loses. It's six, seven, eight, Milwaukee, Miami, Washington. Simple. Okay? But there are a number of different scenarios, and I'm not going to go through all of them, but the thing that you need to, if you're paying attention to the end of the East, is Milwaukee wins, they stay in sixth, that's done. Washington loses, they stay in eighth, that's done. And the tiebreakers are Washington over Milwaukee, because they have the better division record, and Miami over both Milwaukee and Washington. So Miami holds the tiebreaker. They they have the head-to-head against Milwaukee, and they are uh, the division winner in in the tie. They have the division winner tiebreaker against Washington. So that's as crazy as those things can be. However, it works out. Milwaukee wins their sixth. The seventh seed is kind of a, a hodgepodge with Washington holding a tiebreaker over Milwaukee and Miami holding the tiebreaker over both. And if Washington loses their eighth, and that's the scenario in the East. It's crazy, but that's where we are. A whole lot simpler than the West, though. <laughs> Which is crazy because I just wrapped up the Locked On Celtics podcast, and it took me 10 minutes to come up. To kind of go with, through all of this here. It was, it was like, we were like, wait a minute, wait a minute, because there, there are all of these scenarios, and there, there's infographics out there. If this team wins and this team loses and this team wins, it's this team. Like the way I said it is much much simpler, and we can figure it out tomorrow. But that that's it. And like we said earlier in the recap portion, the the second I'm I'm sorry, the third and the fourth depends on Philly in in that game against Milwaukee. If Philly wins, then they are the third seed. Cleveland has a back to back against New York, so they have very strong likelihood of uh, losing out, especially if they're trying to improve their draft slotting because uh, a couple of losses will move them down below the Brooklyn Nets. So I would expect two Cleveland Cavaliers wins there. So yeah, I think that's a safe bet. Yeah. So that's the East. Now I mentioned the lockdown Celtics podcast. If you are trying to get a sense of how all of these playoff teams are, are feeling, Highly recommend going and subscribing to individual Locked On, Locked On podcasts. So I'm Locked On Celtics. Jake is Locked On Pelicans. Whatever team you want to follow, subscribe to their playoff to their podcast for the playoffs because that's the only way to get a sense of what each team is thinking. If you're trying to maybe bet on the games, you want to subscribe to each team's podcast so you get a sense of the strategy and and you get a real in-depth local expert kind of look at how these series might go. It's just a great way with each team uh, having a locked on podcast to get a full sense of what these playoffs are going to be. So obviously you get the locked on NBA, then you can go to locked on Celtics and locked on wizards. If the, if that's the first round matchup, it will be doing crossover podcasts on top of everything. So be sure to subscribe to each individual team's podcast, as well as the locked on NBA podcast, find it wherever you get your podcasts. Okay, Jake. Um, I got, I got to bring up the, <laughs> the Philadelphia. You're going to make so many people so mad and I'm going to enjoy this. Um, Regular listeners of the Lockdown Celtics podcast understand where I'm going with this already because something about the Sixers triggers me. Uh, I am not a fan, by the way, of the Sam Hinkie process. And it is my contention 
I'll say this up front, that the process is incomplete. And, and I bring that up because Philly fans, a lot of Philly fans are out there screaming and crowing about how the process worked. And I, like I, I've said, I'm not a fan of the process. I didn't like the multiple years of just blatantly losing for a variety of reasons that I will not get into right now. I'll just say that I didn't like it. Now, it did get them Embiid and Simmons, and those are two megastar players that could could set the Sixers up for a long time. However, the key, I think, there is could. And Philly, as of right now, hasn't won anything yet. They they could win 52 games, which is very nice and very impressive. Uh, the playoffs are a different story, and there is a strong potential for a team that is so young, to me, so young, and and completely untested in the playoffs that despite their talent could be in for a, a bit of a rough go. Even if they get past the first round, that second round is going to be very tough no matter who they face. And so my first word of caution to Sixers fans is, can, can you please just wait until you win something before you start beating your chests over how much the process worked? And secondly, let's not lionize Sam Hankey. Because he was removed before he got a chance to see the entire process through. We don't know what he would have done with Markel Fultz and that trade with the Celtics to move up to get him. Would Sam Hankey really have given up that draft pick to move up to get Fultz? Would that have been good? Would that have been bad? Would he have traded down? We don't know. We don't know what he would have done. We don't know who he would have traded. We don't know where they would be. My point is, Hankey is the type of guy that would have made rash decisions in order to keep whatever thing he's got going. Uh, we don't know if he would, would they have been the top seed or the eighth seed with, with Hinky still pulling the strings. There's a lot of uncertainty there. And I guess my bottom line is that Philly fans just, you need to just check yourselves a little bit and find the right place and the right time to start crowing about how good your team is. All right? That's that's it. Win a series. <laughs> Simple as that. Win one win, first and then maybe talk something. a little bit more trash. Look, Win the, something. The process was about winning a title and not just winning a playoff series or trying to kind of be that Memphis grit and grind era where they were never going to win a title, but it was fun to make the playoffs every year. And I'm not a big hinky guy either, even though I think he won almost every trade he ever made. But at a certain point, you do just need to improve the team and get into the playoffs because that's kind of part of this. If you take that title or bust mentality, you know, I don't know if that's the right way to go. I find most fans of almost every team annoying, including Pelicans fans. <laughs> I'll, listen, I'll be honest. Uh, <laughs> so, but I get it. I get it. You know, this kind of us against the world mentality brings groups of people together. And that's kind of what fandom is. So if they want to crow a little bit, like I understand. But at the same point, like you said, nothing's happened yet. You're making the playoffs. 52 games potentially is an amazing feat for that team. I don't think anyone thought it was going to happen this quickly. But like you said, you've won nothing yet. Pelicans fans are pumped this team's just in the playoffs after most people wrote them off post-Marcus Cousins injury. 
But just making the playoffs isn't good enough. You can't just get excited about that and start screaming around and pointing fingers and say, I told you so. Because, again, this is longer than just one season for every team, Philly particularly, because the process was always a really long-term outlook. It's it, And basically, Hinky set it up. Either you win a title or it's a failure. And no title yet. Right, right. Like, let's just pump the brakes. And I get that you've been waiting so long. And look, this this winning streak has been impressive. You don't win 15 straight games without having some impressive wins. And you did. You, you beat Cleveland. Uh, you beat Denver and Minnesota in there. You got So you got at least a couple of playoff teams that you've beaten. I will say, though, that aside from that Cleveland, look, Atlanta, Dallas, Detroit, Brooklyn, Charlotte, Atlanta, the Knicks, Orlando, Memphis. Oh, you're just Charlotte, really trying to get Brooklyn, it fired up today. Knicks. I mean, this. Uh, those are all games you should have won. Those are all games you should have won. And it's great that you, you, you won them all 15 in a row. But, man, that last March and April schedule, honestly, let's just be honest. That was the biggest cupcake schedule anybody could ask for. And like, you, look, you play the games that are in front of you. That's that's fine. I'm not I'm not criticizing them for for winning those games. You should win those games. That's what the schedule is. Those are the teams you play, and you play those games, and you win. Great. But let's just mm, just take a second. Ugh. We're not there yet, Philly fans. Just take your, your time's coming you're so, soon to start. You're so screaming. close. Yeah. You know, it's it's just so close. Don't get that premature. Don't mm, just it's it's right there. Save it. You got next season coming up. That that team next year, if they stay healthy, that's another conversation. I don't know. If, you know, are they going to bring JJ Reddit back or whatever? But regardless, you still have the two of the best players in the NBA. Potentially, you know, if they can continue this, and Bede and Simmons are both monster players. You know, we'll we'll see. Sarich is is going to be. Uh, you know, a big help, and and they just traded for Bellinelli, and he's he's been a, a a big contributor. I don't know how it's all gonna go. It's really really set up very very well for Philly next year. They could be a menace. They could be up there. It could be Boston and Philly. You know, one two, and it might be Philly number one. But uh, sorry, Toronto fans, you're you're gonna be in that mix too. We'll see what LeBron does, but just not not just yet, Philly fans, not yet. Just hold up, just a second, a little bit. All right, that's my that's my take. Your your mentions are going to be hot tomorrow on uh, Twitter. Yeah, that's all right. They're they're always hot. Philly fans love me. They love me. All right. <laughs> uh, that's a good place to end it. I'm gonna. I might just shut down my Twitter for a couple of days. Might be best. <laughs> Take a breather. Hit hit the showers for a moment. Or I'll just say my Twitter handle is at Reds Army underscore John. Hit me up. Let me know what you think. Uh, you can find my stuff at RedsArmy.com and occasionally on Boston.com. And I'm Jake Madison, host of the Locked On Pelicans podcast and editor over at LockedOnPelicans.com at Nola Jake on Twitter. I'm a nice guy on Twitter. Don't come too hard at me for this, <laughs> Philly fans. I'll be I'll treat you guys well. I will bear the brunt of this. All right, huge Wednesday night in the association, the final regular season night in the association with a lot to be determined. Please subscribe to the Locked On NBA podcast if you have not done so already. Tomorrow, the big boss... 
David Locke is here to kind of wrap up the season and many, many important things that have happened, I'm sure, by then. Subscribe wherever you get your podcast. If you are a subscriber, leave a good review and a five-star rating and share the podcast, spread the word. Tell people to listen to the Locked On NBA podcast here on the Locked On Podcast Network.